We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Napa A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome into the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. My name is DJ Trainer. If you can tell that I'm excited, it's because the three amigos are back. We're back, baby. I'm joined by Shannon McEwen and also Ken Craytrain Kreitz. I'll get it down. You, I just butcher it every time, Ken. I don't know when I'm I think I'm always too excited to say it. That's the issue. <laughs> I'm excited as well, sir. Keep going. 
Okay. This podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher. Feel free to leave a nice review on one of those venues. You can also listen and download this podcast on the Rotowire website directly. A couple weeks ago, Ken and I brought to you, we just kind of went over Ken's Eastern Conference position battle articles. We're back two weeks later to talk about Western Conference position battles. And of course, you can jump on the website and see all three of these articles. Ken broke it down division by division. We'll do the same on this pod in just a second. But Ken, I understand we got a couple bits of breaking news-ish, breaking news-ish, I should say, of this week to talk about first. Yes, first and foremost, I thought this was very intriguing um, and a, a sign that Sacramento Kings management is still a mess. Rudy Gay had his agent inform the Kings this week that he would not be returning after this season. This is Rudy's contract year with the Kings. He'll be a free agent at the end of the season. And he has told them now he will not be returning, which heavily implies or basically waves a flag signaling, you should trade me uh, before the deadline in February. I think the question to you gentlemen, though, is does Rudy Gay have any trade value? I, I need to look up his contract but uh, do you guys see anyone diving into the Rudy Gay lottery? Contract-wise, he's actually a really good value right now. He's he's at about $14 million per this year and the next year if he did opt in. So, I mean, if you look at the contracts that were signed this offseason, $14 million per point. for, for a, you know, a player like Rudy Gay, it's pretty amazing. I think that's a great value. The trouble is... How much value can he add to a team? I, I you know, I, I was even discussing him uh, with a fellow Pistons fan last week. Like, is Rudy Gay a player who the Pistons would want? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, when you have like Tobias Harris, um, Marcus Morris, there's not really a need for him. But I'm sure there's plenty of teams out there. The Clippers, for one, who need a small forward where he would be a good fit. Yeah, the Clippers have essentially had a yeah. turntable at small forward. I mean, we can list off the names, but it's going to take too long because Luke Baugh, Richard Mute, it sounds like. But they have, like, with. the Clippers have no assets to trade, I think. I, I, haven't they already mortgaged their future, given up future picks? That, it, yeah, you know, I what don't, do they have to offer? I don't I know. I don't think they have much to offer in return, but I don't believe that Rudy Gay will get much on the open market. Yeah. Uh, He's I, a bit I, of a black hole as far as not passing. You know what I mean? He's got to have in his hands he's going to work the post he's going to slowly you, you know he's he's one of those guys where you're like the shot clock's winding down he's not moving the ball everyone's staring at him right change the channel on the nba package i mean on a team like the clippers he makes tons of sense i agree they don't have much to offer in return there's other teams that he would be a good fit though i mean you look at a team like toronto they yeah. need that number three option yeah, he, yeah that's he good could fill that role um even a team uh like the Pelicans. So i don't i don't think toronto and rudy gay have a very strong history i don't see that happening right yeah i know i know but even even the pelicans the pelicans, though, the pelicans actually, i, mean, pelicans I that, like that's yeah. a team where you know Anthony Davis needs some help, and he could be a solid number two, number three option for that squad. The Pelicans need anything. They're in need of all <laughs> spots. And Are you saying Solomon Hill shouldn't be starting 30 minutes a game for the Pelicans? Solomon Hill. You've got guys like Patrick Peterson. Quincy Poindexter. I just like saying that name. Quincy Poindexter. Patrick Peterson, he plays football, doesn't he? Man, I'm yeah, he does. Yeah, you guys you're awesome, man. Quincy Poindexter <laughs> is who you're trying to say. It's all it's right. It's still the offseason. It's not Poindexter? It, it's Pondex. You wanted yeah. to be Poindexter. I do. Yeah, like. the point is that Rudy Gay <laughs> does have, I mean, 
you, you would like to think, you know, a couple of years ago, he'd be a hot commodity on the market, but he's not quite what he is. That said, if somebody goes down an injury for a contender, maybe like somebody like the Milwaukee Bucks, hello, who oh. don't have a small forward, who lost their small forward shooting guard, um, you know, Chris Middleton, and, Chris Middleton to a hamstring tear. A lot of people think the Bucks maybe could make a push to that five, six, or seventh range in the Eastern Conference. What about the Bucks? And what about this Chris Middleton injury? Do you think that they should react? Now, obviously, I should say they did go out and get Nick Whalen's favorite, Michael Beasley. That doesn't really move the needle for me. But somebody like a Rudy Gay who could spread the court, who could add some threat beyond the arc, I mean, compared to the rest of their roster. Um, but what about that injury and this Rudy Gay? news in conjunction here in milwaukee well i i don't know if gay is a good fit in milwaukee but i would i i would argue that chris middleton is the one player the bucks can least afford to lose because he's the only out quality shooter on that team and i i'm i actually they're not in the playoffs anymore in my in my estimation giannis will be great to watch at the point very entertaining but with zero outside shooting DJ, you might want to um, properly pronounce the last name of the new small forward they have in front of Beasley there. Well, forget the forget that. It's Giannis. Ken, come on. Giannis? The last name is the one that everyone struggles with. Giannis <laughs> Antetokounmpo and Mirza Teletovic. Didn't I say Giannis? Teletovic. Te- oh, all right. Teletovic is the guy. There's actually a couple guys who it, – it's interesting. Like Middleton losing – losing Middleton obviously hurts. Um, I mean, The one thing that I'm excited about is – I had him as one of my busts for this year. Mirza? No, Middleton. Oh, so, wow. Uh, that bust uh, is correct. Um, I, <laughs> I, You're already patting yourself on the yes. back. Season hasn't started. Fantastic. I win that one. But but Toledovich <laughs> is the guy. You've got Deladova is probably going to start in the backcourt. Um, Delavadova, sorry. He's going to start in the backcourt. You've got Toledovich. He's most likely going to start now. They just signed Michael Beasley. He's an option. He could get some run for him. Could open up more minutes for Thon Maker. Um, and then the other guy who is kind of forgotten in Milwaukee is Michael Carter-Williams. They wouldn't run him out as the point guard. I mean, Giannis is the point guard for that team now. But I'm interested, interested to see, does Carter-Williams like re- revitalize himself as a small forward type? He's got the body for it. Well, here's the, here's the big issue, and and I've talked about this before, and so I'll just mention it briefly. I'm not so certain that Giannis is the point guard. Last year, when he moved to point guard from a fantasy perspective, and just from like a fun-to-watch perspective, he was a triple-double threat, and he was doing it every other game, essentially. But their actual winning percentage didn't change, and so I wouldn't be surprised if Jason Kidd did get on a deli kit, or kick, gets on an MCW quit kick, and then tries to move Antetokounmpo over to small forward over to shooting guard over to power forward something if something's not going right I'm not so certain that he's going to be at point guard the whole year and you know what that means as well for me at least I'm not sure that he's a first round value if, he, if you can guarantee that he's going to play 75 games at point guard he should be going in the first round if he's only going to be playing 40 games at point guard he's not first round value to me well Middleton getting hurt certainly qualifies as something not going right as you said there DJ so the door seems to be open for kid to probably being forced to experiment because it's still backing up even to last year's Greg Monroe signing. They keep seeming to forget you need outside shooters. They still lack in that area. That's for certain. And, you know, the, adding a guy like Michael Carter Williams uh, <laughs> to the rotation and more heavily than expected is not going to help. That's not what, helping the outside Toledovich shooting. Toledovich definitely does help in that area, though. Yeah. That, yep. that is, he's going to get a ton of looks from downtown now. Now, I am going to 
debate you on the Giannis not being point guard thing. Jason Kidd and the organization have already committed to it. There is no I don't care if they start the season 0 and 25, he will still be the point guard. Wow. They have already they just signed him to an ex, or they just signed him yep. to an extension. A massive right. extension. Signed him to an extension. The Jason Kidd's already come out publicly and said Giannis is my point guard. That's not going to change. I, I really can't see that changing. Uh, will Delavadova or a guy like MCW maybe see slightly more ball handling opportunities if things aren't going well? Sure, but it's not going to take away from Giannis being the point guard. All right, fair enough. That's not to say I won't be drafting him, but when I do at that particular time when I'm having that draft, I'm I'm in the mindset that he will be you know the, the same mindset you're having. Well, I, Apparently, that what Kid has said. One of the debates is like, do you do you uh, draft Giannis ahead of guys like DeMarcus Cousins and LeBron James? Like that's where it's at right now, yeah. which is pretty to me is insane. Like I'm not going to draft him above LeBron James because what's the ceiling for for Giannis <laughs> this year? The absolute ceiling is what he's maybe LeBron James. Like absolute ceiling. Like that's sure. his, not quite, his, not even his, quite exactly. Anymore. That's the thing. There's no way he's because he ain't going to start hitting threes. Right, exactly. I, he is actually. He's going to be better from three point. He this has year. to be. He's he has already, to he's been be. working he on it all season. I mean, is he going to be good at it? Probably not. But he's going to be better at it. And I think in a couple of years he will be a decent enough shooter. Yeah, for Giannis our listeners, is, I'll just throw out there that uh, Giannis shot twenty six percent from three point range and hit zero point four threes a game. Yes, it's it's impossible for him not to improve. <laughs> Fair enough. Giannis is going to be a hot button issue throughout this offseason. I'm excited to debate about it. Nick Whalen and I on a Wednesday or Tuesday pod, I forget now, definitely talked about it as well. It's going to be a recurring thing because whenever you have these guys bump up and you're not exactly sure because you don't have a full year to go off of, they're fun to talk about it. We're going to continue to talk about it. However, Ken has put in a lot of hard work here on these articles. All six of them are posted. Let's dive into them, guys. Let's start with the Southwest Division and we'll kick it off with the Dallas Mavericks now of course a team in somewhat transition Harrison Barnes coming in is going to be their small forward in terms of position battles so the Ken the the article you wrote here and it seems like this has been the way for the last couple years point guard position really hasn't been solidified in that you know from a coaching perspective and a fan perspective, you feel like you have a lot of depth there. But from a fantasy perspective, it's mm-hmm. kind of all over the map. And really, DFS is the only place you can terse this thing out because you have Darren Williams, mm-hmm. you have J.J. Barea, you have Devin Harris, you even have Seth Curry coming into the mix. From a fantasy perspective, it makes me want to stay away. But I know that all of us have probably used each one of those guys I just mentioned <laughs> in a DFS competition at some point last year. Well, I'll say for season long, I haven't touched Deron Williams in five or six years because the name value is always bigger than the actual production and the health. And I have to assume things will even get worse for Williams. But man, their bench is just so weak outside of maybe Dwight Powell and Seth Curry at least getting a chance. I mean, Berea is old. Harris is old. This bench just looks terrible. I agree. Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree. I'm waiting for Ken to or Ken Shannon to step up and just just completely agree with you as well. I, I you know we're questioning Harrison Barnes. The fact that he was at the end of the bench on the Olympic gold winning team actually seemed to hurt his career. He was almost <laughs> the butt of the joke, then a gold yeah. medal winner. However, he's got a lot to prove. He'll be an interesting guy in terms of fantasy. Where is he going to land? Let's not forget he's got a chance to see you know 32 minutes a game here, backed up by Justin Anderson. Justin Anderson out of Virginia had. 
had a solid rookie year last year, but he wasn't, you know, handed over the reins by any means. He only played in 55 games and averaged just under 12 minutes. He's somebody to look for, and Dwight Powell is somebody to look for, Ken. You know, right now we look at their bench and there's not any names, and we say, you know, they could be in trouble. But if those two guys progress, you know, they might mature into a legitimate options off the bench. I like them a lot. I'm just not sure they're going to be able to make the jump this year. Maybe in a couple years when there's a little less players in front of their way, like, say, Dirk Nowitzki, when Dwight Powell is, you know, the heir apparent to the starting point power forward role in Dallas. Well, and I'll back up to your Harrison Barnes point. I mean, yes, it seems like the most disappointing signing of a dream team member ever with uh, uh, the Mavs getting Barnes. But that said, he's going to have every opportunity to explode. Uh, Dirk's not getting any younger, and I'm sure would greatly appreciate, uh, you know, some help on the scoring front. Wesley Matthews, you have to fear his health as well. So I think there's a lot of upside for Barnes. I don't like it. I mean, the Mavs, you know, hey, Barnes was the only free agent they could attract. So in some ways, you can't blame them for radically overpaying for Barnes because what else were they going to do? So the upside could be there. I don't know. He seems like a fun third-round draft pick. But, uh, Shannon, what do you see with Mr. Barnes? I I actually like Barnes this year, and I like – I because the bench, like like you alluded to, not, didn't even allude to it. You flat out stated it. The bench is lacking for Dallas, so I actually like the starters. I mean, yes, it's mostly these veteran guys whose best years are behind them. But for fantasy purposes, I like I like these starters' values. I like where where you can get them and the and the production they do provide. I mean, Williams, for instance, I know it's fun to rag out the guy, but he still averaged thirty two minutes. 14 points, six assists, one and a half threes last year. That's decent value for where you can select him in drafts right now. And sure, he's 30. His best years are behind him, but he's probably going to have to shoulder more of an offensive load this year with Chandler Parsons gone, the bench not nearly as deep. I think he's a decent play. The The only problem with him is he missed 17 games last year. If, he's play, if he plays 75 mm. games instead of 65, he's going to be a good value for fantasy owners. Yeah, we'll see how that. Well, sh- and he's been in the '60s. Yes, the last three years, so uh, it's not a surprise he only played 65 last year. And I kind of assume he'll be in the '60s again this year. Like you give me 15, 15 or 14, five and one and a half threes from him, and I'm happy with where I'm where he's currently getting drafted. You know, even guys like Wes Matthews. You know, he came back last year from that big injury. Um, wasn't supposed to be ready for the start of the season. I think he's going to show improvement this year. Um, Barnes is going to have the best year of his career. Oh, yeah. But know. this is where Shanuski wisely always thinks daily first, and old man Kreitz always thinks uh, season-long leagues first. I hate Deron Williams because he's never healthy for a full year. But in daily, Deron Williams is usually a pretty productive short play when you know he's going to play that night. Yep, I agree. Yeah, uh, one more thing I'll touch on before we move to the Rockets here. The center position might be up in the grabs, maybe more so than when you wrote this article, Ken. Andrew Bogut, of course, is going to be the new center in Dallas, but you know he's injury pr- prone. Mm-hmm. Salai Majiri, the guy who is next in line to be center, had some really had a really good end to last year where not only was he doing good things on the court for Dallas, but he was a fantasy stalwart at the end of last season. Dwight Powell, like we already mentioned, can play center. And oh yeah, A.J. Hammonds, one of the best 
centers over the you know last five years in college basketball to come out of Purdue is also on that depth chart at center. So I'll be interested to see how that shakes out more towards the end of the year. Of course, Bogut, who's injury prone, could you know force some things to happen. So we'll see how that goes. Let's move on to the Rockets, though. This team, you know, disappointed majorly last year. This team was supposed to be a championship contender. They fell flat on their face. They fired Kevin McHale. They brought in J.B. Bickerstaff. And I believe Bickerstaff is still going to be at the helm. Or no, he's not going to be at the helm. Mike D'Antoni is actually going to be at the helm. I'm expecting this team to have a really good offense with James Harden, Patrick Beverly, Trevor Reza, Ryan Anderson in addition. And they got rid of Dwight Howard. Clint Capella is there now. Really, really good offense and an absolutely terrible defense. I think me and James Anderson are in agreement that they might have one of the best or worst defenses in the league and maybe over the last five or ten years. That said, I still think they're a playoff team. In terms of position battles, Ken, what do you see here? Well, I already thought the uh, reserve big men was a real problem for them, and we were lumping Beasley in there because he was playing some four for them, and now he's gone. They oddly seem to be banking on a healthy Nene, you know, and a healthy Ryan Anderson. Ryan Anderson for that for, for that point. And you're right. I yeah. don't see that. <laughs> you know, like I mean, they're going to go small a lot and have Ariza and Brewer and and McDaniel's playing some four. I have to assume that's what they're thinking and letting Beasley go. But you're right. This defense is going to be horrible. There's going to be a lot of over/under opportunities in every game Houston's in. Uh, I, I don't, you know, to me, I'm still, of course, Shannon and I are card-carrying members of the East Coast bias press, and we believe defense builds championships. And I just don't. I mean, if the Rockets make the playoffs, it just means the West is not nearly as strong as it used to be. Not only will the Rockets make the playoffs, they will be a top four seed. Now. Woo! Their defense is going to be atrocious. It's going to be laughable, but it won't matter because the offense is going to be so big. The only way I don't think they'll be a top four seed is if James Harden gets hurt. Um, I, I think the offense is going to be a blast to watch next year. Um, outside, I do. I also I believe they're going to Capella is going to be a, a monster for that team. Um, Ryan Anderson, if he stays healthy, is going to be great for that team. I do believe they're going to go small for for the concerns you had mentioned. There's not a ton of depth. Um, with guys like Nene in the front court. So you've got a player like Sam Decker who missed a large chunk of his rookie year because he's injured, spent a lot of time in the D League. Um, a lot of people were impressed with him during Summer League this year. I, I think you're going to see guys like him. He like I would slot him above uh, K.J. McDaniels on the depth chart. Um, but I think Decker will get some run. Corey Brewer, Ariza, you'll see one of those three guys play some minutes at power forward. So it'll be interesting. The offense is going to be fun. Defense is, is definitely going to be horrible. So let's get back to this top four. There's no way they touch Golden State, San Antonio, and the Clippers. Uh, the Clippers. OKC are... and the Clippers. No, you OKC, is, better than no, OKC, OKC is not there. You can't. Uh, I, I'm oh, sorry. I, you you saw we saw how good OKC without KD before they'll be fine. Yes, and they were 500 team with or they didn't make the playoffs. What were they? Didn't they barely make the playoffs? They were like seventh or eighth seed without. Yeah, Kevin Durant? Shannon, we had the unfortunate pleasure to go watch that team in Milwaukee a couple yeah. years ago, and they had KD for about 30 games. Their supporting cast was way worse. Ken, I think as a Thunder fan, I'm I'm very pessimistic here. Seven, eight, nine is where I think they end up. I I, I think they're going to be a decent team. I like Oladipo on that team. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about the Thunder tons this year. But right. I think I think I sense a wager here. I sense a wager, Thunder, and I'm going to give you a spot. I'm going to give you a spot based on how if the, 
if the Rockets finish top five in the West, I will get you a Pistons jersey. Deal. And if the Rockets finish sixth or lower, you owe me an old school Washington Bullets sweatshirt. Hey, I'll take that. I'll wow. take that bet. That is the second Rotowire NBA pod bet to go down about the Rockets. Yeah. James Anderson and I have a bet, basically better record straight up, Houston or Minnesota. I took Houston. So Shannon and I will be big Rockets fans this year. I'm big. On, I'm actually really high on Minnesota. You know what I understood? Year, Why did I, I give uh, Shannon the fifth spot when I could have just said top four? No, fifth, it would, fifth is what you needed to give me. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, so the Rockets, again, a highly debatable team. They could have a very good offense. I think everyone's agreement of how bad a defense they're going to have. They're going to put up a lot of points. Let's go to a team that has trouble scoring points but usually has a good defense, the Memphis Grizzlies. That is, again, some of these – there's not really like true, true position ba- uh, battles on some of these teams. Memphis is going to be pretty solid. Starting five of Conley, Tony Allen, Parsons, Rand- Randolph and Gasol, that's a pretty good starting five. I think that's going to be a playoff contending starting five. Their five's a lock until Parsons get hurt. But uh, So going into the season, the only big question mark was who the heck is going to be the backup point guard. Now, Conley plays a lot of minutes, just signed a monster contract. But also coming off a year with a big injury, I mean, if you can talk to me about the careers of Wade Baldwin – Andrew Harrison or Tony Rudin. I am all ears, gentlemen. Well, I'll talk about Roden. I, I was very surprised that the Sixers let him go. I'm trying to pull up his, his per 36. Because of all the quality point guards they had in Philadelphia? Yeah, I know. Exactly. That's why I was really burned. I mean, from a fantasy perspective, maybe I got too caught up in him. He has had an injury-riddled career over his first four years. In the well, he was league. always cheap in DFS. He was always cheap in DFS. Right. So two seasons ago, his per 36 numbers, he was scoring 20 points a game and dishing out six to six. Now, obviously, that's per 36 minutes a game. I like him, if he stays healthy, to solidify that backup point guard role and jump Wade Baldwin, jump jump Andrew Harrison. Shannon, you're shaking your head, though. Well, Andrew Harrison, Tony Roten, they're not guaranteed roster spots. Wade Baldwin was the first-round draft pick for the Grizzlies this year, 17th overall pick. He's coming out of Vanderbilt. Um, Decent player. Looked okay during the summer league. Averaged like 10 and 5, 10, 5, and 3. I think he's going to be the backup point guard. Wade Baldwin, 20 years old, like you said, out of Vanderbilt. I'm always very low on rookies. I, I expect the worst out of rookies in all sports. Uh, Roten, you know, injury riddled, sure. But at least he has that experience that if he stays healthy, I think he gives them a lot more than an inexperienced guy like Wade Baldwin does. 20 in the NBA means you're only like two or three years away from your prime. So, right. Yeah, that's that's twenty. Different. Twenty in the NBA is a lot different than twenty in other sports. Um, so I'm not as worried about it. But I, yes, he'll be raw. He's going to be a rookie. Um, he's not, you know, he's not a top ten pick, but he's still good enough to be a top twenty pick in, in the NBA draft. To me, that's going to hold more value value than a guy like Harrison or Roden who might not even make the roster. Fair enough. Fair enough. Not too much more to talk about with that Grizzlies team. Let's move on to the New Orleans Pelicans incredibly incredibly frustrating first year for Alvin Gentry last year frustrating year for Anthony Davis um you can talk about you know is he a transcendent player is he not I know that's something that Nick Whalen and I had a lengthy discussion on already I don't think he is some people are still lingering on something that he can put a team on his back and take them last year it was a tough challenge I'll admit that but in terms of position battles we do have this backup guard spot Drew Holiday obviously in a terrible position where his 
wife is dealing with um, some major, major health issues. We don't know when he's going to come back, and obviously nobody is rushing him back to the court. It looks like Tim Frazier, Langston Galloway, Etwan Moore, and even Lance Stevenson will be fighting for point guard time. Oh, yeah, you have that new rookie out of Oklahoma, Buddy Heal, to also fight for some time at shooting guard. Ken, how do you think this thing is going to shake out? I didn't even mention Tyreek Evans. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the it's more of a question than an answer. Does this help or hurt Heald's freshman year rookie value here? You know, you, traditionally, you'd really like a real point guard to be setting him up for scoring opportunities. And I'm not sure he's going to have that luxury. On the other hand, they may just put the ball in his hand a lot more. The you know the the Drew Holiday story is just tragic, and at some point you almost wonder is this franchise cursed? But uh, boy, Langston Galloway, Tim Frazier, and Etwan Moore being moved a point just out of necessity—that just scares prop screams problem, problem, problem. But maybe some DFS opportunities. What do, what do you think, Shannon? I like Buddy Heald this year. I think he's going to be a good player. Um, he's he's going to take some there's going to be some adjustment time um we saw it with him in college too he got better improved every year i think you'll see the same thing with him i mean another player who's um i see comparable as far as their trajectory in college and then entering the pros would be like victor oladipo who just got better every single year certain aspects of his game i expect that with buddy Heald too in the pros um he'll show potential in the first year struggle in some areas get better as his career progresses, and, and I am pretty high on him um, overall. Like I think he has potential to make an all-star team in this future. Um, but for year one, decent value. I think this the uncertainty of the Pelicans' backcourt actually helps him because it's going to force him to play more minutes and more production um, from those minutes. But the big question for me with this team is the return dates of both Evans and Holiday. We have really no idea. Like mm-hmm. they're both, They both could be back after you know the first week of the season um they both could be back to action early november so it's tough to say right now i mean if they're only missing two or three games each then their values are going to still be pretty solid if holiday is out longer and evans comes back early november evans is going to be the starting point guard for that team i mean i think i think i have a new nickname for lance stevenson i think he's just he should be called red flag because anytime a team signs lance stevenson that's a red flag that big problems are occurring yeah, <laughs> that their roster is in horrible turmoil. Oh my God, we have to get Lance Stevenson. There's one guy I need to talk about on this team though is Terrence Jones. I Ooh. think Terrence Jones is a forgotten quality player. He just got buried on the Rockets bench last year. Um, I was actually really I health hoping, problems. Yeah, he had right. some health issues. I was really hoping my team, the Pistons, were going to sign him this year. Um, instead, they got John Lore. Uh, <laughs> I love I love Terrence Jones on this team, and I think he's going to have an opportunity to play. I think they'll they'll shift. Does he play center though? I mean, yeah, or do they move Davis forward. to center? Yeah, I think I think what'll happen is they'll move Davis, and Davis will get more minutes at center, and Terrence Jones will see the minutes at the four. Um, I, we're curious. I mean, it's it's for most like 10, 12, 12 team leagues, he's not in play, but for deeper formats, I love Terrence Jones as a sleeper. Yeah, I completely agree because you know. 
if you look at our depth charts on rotowire.com, and by all means, please do, please do you're going to need to, you're not going to see Terrence Jones as a starter, but you know what? He might end up seeing close to starter minutes. For whatever reason, just, I don't know, out of novelty, teams like to start players like Omar Ashik, and then he only ends up playing like 12 minutes a game where it turns out that, you know, like you said, Shannon, Davis moves to center, and then Terrence Jones plays like a whole bunch of minutes at power forward, like 28 right. minutes. That's starter's amount of minutes. So he is a, he's a sleeper for me, but, you know, if, if he's – if he's seeing a lot of minutes and he's a double double threat, which he he is, uh, he's broken out and had some really weird big games. Yeah, uh, he could have some value on a team that really needs somebody to step up and just eat minutes for them. Well, it's all it's all about health with Jones. I mean, fifty games last year, thirty three the year before, uh, nineteen his rookie year. We just see if he can stay healthy. Well, talent talent wise, I think if this team's completely healthy, Holiday and Evans are, are healthy, he's a top five talent on this team. With those two out. I would argue he's the second or third most talented player, probably third. I'll put him behind Davis and Heald, but I think he's that good. So hopefully he gets the opportunity. One thing I will say in terms of Heald's value, then we'll move on to the Spurs here, is that if Tim Frazier is going to see the majority of minutes at point guard, I like Heald's value more than if Langston Galloway was or Etwan Moore is. I think Frazier has done a very good job during his journeyman career in the NBA of distributing the ball. Maybe true more so. Yeah, exactly. Guard, true point guard. Um, I mean, he's he, he racks up a lot of assists when he plays a good amount of minutes. So I like Heald's value if Frazier is going to be the short term solution for both Tyreek Evans and Drew Holiday not not knowing when they're going to return all right guys let's move on to the San Antonio Spurs of course the D- led- DJ I'm gonna I'm gonna dive in here I think you know we're we're really long here and I think the starting five of Parker Green Leonard Aldridge and Gasol is pretty set for the Spurs I say we Head on over to the Northwest Division, sir. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was literally about to say that. I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about Duncan. I mean, you put a whole video in in in, in your well, article. Hey, greatest power forward of all time. I certainly agree with that. Go to the article, watch his highlight career reel there. Um, but uh, nothing more to, left to be said about Mister uh, Duncan. It's fabulous talent. Let's move on. In in deeper leagues, I just have to I have to weigh in just briefly. In deeper leagues, David Lee. I like as a value. We got a little burned on a lot of Lee sleeper picks last year at the Celtics, remember? No, no. I mean, I, this is for deeper leagues. Deeper, deep, deeper leagues. Deep. Yes. 40 deep. team leagues. The deepest of leagues, Shannon, will be taking David Lee. Popovich could use him pretty wisely. We'll see. All right, Ken, Anyone let's move does. on to the Denver Nuggets here. Let's talk about your main man, Will Barton, because this is a true a true position battle uh, that we need to get into. Will Barton, baby. Your main man, Will Barton. I've dealt him to you <laughs> in the Rotowire Keeper League. Is that your problem? I know. So what I love about what I love and hate about the Nuggets is their Celtics West. They have a lot of talent at a lot of positions, but it's hard to see uh, outside of a uh, a healthy uh, rooster who is really going to get monster minutes on a pretty deep. And yet, uh, Mujay, of course, will, but uh, Mudiay will, of course. But there's just too many, too much. Same level talent at almost every position. I, I completely agree, Ken. I think 
you know, they got rid of draft leave Laverne. They, they dealt him to the thunder and I thought that move was great, but I think there's a lot more room for, mm-hmm. for some trades to happen before the deadline. By no means is this team fighting for the playoffs. They've got Jamal Murray. They've got Will Barton and Gary Harris. I think all three of those could yeah. guys could start or be deserving of a starting shooting guards part by the end of the year. How much would Sacramento love to have any of those guys at shooting guard right now? Agreed. Agreed. I completely agree. Will Barton seems destined for the Kings in, in all honesty. I think he <laughs> does he's uh, just dysfunctional enough <laughs> right wilson chandler coming back although gallinari rooster like you said and chandler those guys usually combine for 82 games so i think you need the depth there at small forward but i mean looking at center you still have J- Joseph nurkic and nikola jokic both of those i those both of those guys are really good and let's not forget that kenneth Fareed can shift down and play a little center for you as well and and, and they're dying to get minutes for juan hernan gomez as well oh. And unfortunately, I don't think he's going to get minutes because uh, Jokic is legit top 30 player in fantasy this year. Um, you're going to have to pick him in the third or fourth round most likely to get him. Um, his stats aren't going to pop out at you. Like he might average 12 and 9, but he's going to do enough in the other areas, assist, uh, steals, blocks, good percentages, that he's going to rate out as a top 30 fantasy player. I love Jokic this year. Um, Gallinari, of course, he's a lock to play 32, 34 minutes a game. Um, the, at point guard, Moutier is highly undervalued this year. Um, he's going to show, he's going to take big leaps in his sophomore season. I've got him ranked as a you top. You think he's going to improve on the 36% he shot last year? Definitely, definitely. I think he's, he, he looked, he's looked great in every venue I've seen him in. Um, I mean, even, even things like the rookie sophomore game last year, Guys like Moutier and, and Russell, they were a, a tier above other players there. He's a true elite talent, and I think he's going to be a top 60 fantasy player this year and evolve into like a perennial NBA all-star um, in the, within the next couple of years. Um, shooting guard really is the big question with the team. Gary Harris, Will Barton, I think they'll early on they'll dominate the minutes, but eventually they've got to transition Jamal Murray, right? Murray's just too high a pick, right? Yeah. I, I, but I, what I, I like the Murray pick, I think, but they're just so crowded at shooting guard. I, I just don't know what you do there. You've got to deal somebody. I think it's – for me, it's pretty obvious that you get rid of Barton. Now, there's a reason yeah. why Barton didn't break out when he was with Portland. There was a reason why Portland was willing to deal with him. Because they were going young. They were going young well, too. Yeah, going young. But, and the, you know, Will Barton should be running your second team and he should be, you know, the main guy doing that. He really shouldn't be in contention for handling or shots. And so I think I like the combo of Gary Harris, who's more of a defensive-orientated shooting guard, and Jamal Murray, who's maybe more so of an offensive-orientated shooting guards so you can switch the tempo do whatever you want will barton needs to be running your second team offense i think he'll be very valuable someplace else to do that for another team i'm looking for him to move for the sake of my keeper league team and for the sake of the shooting guard depth chart for denver um any lasting words you'd like to say ken before we move on to the timberwolves no let's go to the t wolves let's do it and i'm having fond memories of being jacked up with a a few poolside gin and tonics and then riding the las vegas elevator with Rookie of the Year, Carl Towns. I like Carl it. Anthony Towns. It was a fantastic ele- – my, be- my best elevator ride ever, which says a lot about uh, the women I've dated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, all right. There's no good way to transition from that, so I'll do it. I'll just make an attempt. I will say this. The starting five that ended last year seemed to be the starting five that will begin this year. I wonder, though, with Tibbs, if he's going to find somebody like, I don't know. I don't know who it would be that he likes defensively more than like a Gorgie Jang, or maybe he doesn't like Zach Levine starting. Maybe he wants him coming off the bench. I'm not so certain that this starting five that everybody's in love with, Rubio Dunn, you can pick which one you want, Levine, Wiggins. Jang Towns is going to be the starting five for the majority of games this year because it wasn't last year. Now, given Sam Mitchell wasn't that great of a coach, but I'm not so sure the the starting five we want to see is actually going to be that starting five, Shannon. I don't disagree with. I mean, one thing about Thibs is he is a defense oriented coach. Jang can provide some some value on that end. You know, he he can provide value there. He he, he can block shots. But I'm with you. I mean, I actually, I put in NBA 2K17 the other day. I was playing it for the first time, and I picked Minnesota for my first game. And they had Dunn starting over Rubio, which I found intriguing. I don't agree with it. I think Rubio will be the starting point guard. Um, but I also feel like Dunn is going to get tons of run, um, and he's eventually going to be the starter, whether it's at the two yeah. or three. It doesn't mean Rubio is coming off the bench. But, Tibbs is going to fall in love with Dunn's defense yes, yes. at some point in the season. So, I mean, is it is it Levine or or Jang? Which one of those guys is going to end up getting moved to a bench role or be the de facto sixth man because they're not getting as many minutes as the other top five? Well, well can we just admit now that Rubio is never going to shoot well from the field? Oh, that's and, that's a given. He's one of the worst shooters of all time. Right, and doesn't that just scream, here's where you put Dunn in and let Rubio lead the second squad have his fun highlight reels. I know his steals are strong, but the rest of his game is just a, it's just a problem. I, I just don't believe the metrics. If the metric gods that love Rubio were right, this team would have a more winning record. The, the one thing Rubio still actually has on his side is time. He's only 25. Mm-hmm. Um, That's so crazy. It, it's absolutely insane. And you have... You have guys like Jason Kidd. Like Jason Kidd was a horrible shooter for the first half of his career, and he actually ended up becoming a decent three-point shooter. I don't think the same thing will happen with Ricky Rubio, but I'm not going to completely write him off. Um, I do think his time with Minnesota is coming to a close, and yeah. he's definitely one of the top trade uh, you know, tra- trade uh, options out there. Um, I, as far you know, as getting I keep moved. bringing up the Kings, but I could see them overvaluing Rubio and getting a nice deal there where you get some picks knowing that the Kings are going to continue to suck and their picks will be pretty good. I think that would be a good fit for them. All right, guys, we got a lot more to get to, so let's let's get going with the Thunder here. The players, uh, power forward seems to be the the hot point here, Ken. Um, if you want to go ahead and talk about Ilyasova, Laverne, Cantor, the rookie, Demonis Sabonis, lots of options here for the Thunder. Well, you guys are more of the Ilyasova experts with all his time in Milwaukee. I, I, I'll admit it. I don't know what the hell is going to go on there at Power Forward. Uh, they did just get uh, Laverne from uh, Denver, so presumably they want him to spend some time there. If I'm Enos Cantor, I'm like, what are you doing this trade for? And uh, you'd think the trade to get Sabonis shirt up their Power Forward spot. So I don't, I'll admit, I don't really understand what's going on in, the o- in OKC right now. What do you guys make of it? Well, I'll dive in before we have the Thunder expert weigh, weigh in with his two cents. Mm-hmm. I think Cantor's going to get most of the time. Um, what they're lacking from, you know, Durant leaves, so they're losing tons of offense with that. Cantor is arguably the second most talented scorer on the team behind Westbrook now. And yeah. he's the guy who I just, 
I, I don't think him and Adams are necessarily a great fit next to each other, but I think they have to find more playing time for Cantor because he can shoulder such an enormous load on offense. I, I wish Cantor could just shoot a little better from outside. A little more than 0.1 threes made per game would be a lot of a, really helpful for clearing up lanes for Westbrook to drive and Adams throw his body around in the key. If Cantor is also such a big bruiser, though. I'm not going to fault him for not being able to hit threes. Uh, maybe I'm stuck in the 80s, but um, he's he's one of the more deft, like as far as touch and being able to score t- close to the rim. I and mean, he's one of the yeah. w- one of the more efficient guys in the NBA. So here's what I think. I think maybe that Ilya Silva with a with an offense run by Russell Westbrook, I think Ilyasova makes more sense than Ennis Cantor because Russell can drive and he can kick it out to a legitimate three-point shooter like Ersan Ilyasova. Hopefully, Ilyasova just takes over for Andre Roberson as a more legit option in the corner. Now, I'm assuming that Roberson will still be an option, but in the other corner, the less used corner that nobody likes, essentially, because Roberson <laughs> is really bad at shooting threes. They yeah. can still run that pick and roll with Adams. Westbrook and Adams almost had that down to a perfect. The only problem was is that if KD was resting, there was nobody on the court to shoot a three. Now you have Ilya Silva to do that. What I like is if Cameron Payne is running the offense or Victor Oladipo is running the offense when Westbrook is on the bench getting his, you know, his scheduled rest, then you need to develop a connection or you just needed to throw it down to Cantor. So I like Cantor being the second option, the main option of the second team, seeing maybe starter minutes, but really, really, really being leaned on when Westbrook is off the court. Do you think Oladipo can be a catch-and-shoot guy knowing the ball is going to be in Westbrook's hands so much? He has to be a little bit. He's going to have to be because you're not going to have yeah. those five guys I just mentioned on the court all the time. So he, you know what, it, you know what though, he's going to be an improvement because essentially what he's doing, he's taking over for Roberson in that well, role yeah, somewhat. That's, that's hands down an improvement, but I'm still not sure that's the strength of his game. We'll see. I mean, I, uh, I just can't remove the tweener label from Oladipo yet, and I f- feel like they really need a true point, a true shooting guard. Well, they've always had they've always had multiple guys who dominate the ball. I mean, Westbrook yeah. and Durant both did it last year. They used to have Harden on the team as well. Um, so I don't think it's going to be that big of an issue. Oladipo will get his his touches and be able to dominate the ball for stretches. Um, Roberson's the guy who I think will get left out. He might start, or he probably will start. But I think you'll see Ilyasova uh, slide down to the three and play that position quite a bit. DJ, DJ, how many minutes do you see for Laverne? <sighs> I don't know. So here's here's the thing, and then we should move on, is that you don't have to go – like everybody's trying to find this small lineup to compete with the death lineup of the Warriors. Guess what? You know, There's 28 other teams in the league, and if you can beat the majority of those other teams, then you're like the second or third best team in the league, and you're putting yourself in a position to, to figure out a solution for the death lineup later. The majority of your games are not against the Warriors, and so when we talk about this, you got to go small, you got to go small. No, you don't. I mean, to beat the majority of teams in the league, find a strategy. Oklahoma City is going to have some absolutely speedy guys on the perimeter and some bruisers down low. I like that strategy. That should be able to beat, you know, 25 teams in the league. So there's nothing wrong with this. Is um, that your long way of saying Laverne might play small forward for them? Or what, what, what are you getting I, at here with Well, Laverne? like Shannon kind of alluded to, Ilya Sova would be the guy to move into that small forward okay. route. I'm not so sure that Roberson won't play a lot. He's solid on defense. His shooting, like you said, to another player, I already forget Shannon, can only get better. It's only going to get better. You, you were talking so, about so Laverne, Laverne played almost 18 minutes with the Nuggets last year. Does that go up or down with him on the OKC? Same. Yeah, I would put him right around the same. The only way he gets more is if Ilya Sova 
gets hurt, is a complete bust, you know, gets works his way out of the rotation, or the same with Roberson. Like one of those two guys have to drop. Wild card here is Sabonis is really good, and he just fits his way into the rotation somehow and just keeps eating more minutes, eating more minutes. Nick Hollison is just the end of the bench, kind of like fourth tier coach at this point. Mitch McGarry is going to be let go. He the guy yeah. won't even show up for a drug test. So that's in part re- one of the reasons why you kept adding more depth because Mitch McGarry is not a future member of the Thunder. He won't be. Uh, Shannon, you, you I want. Bell are roommates, right? Who? Oh, Le'Veon <laughs> Bell. Michigan <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Michigan State, though, Ken. I guess they were close <laughs> enough. That's true. Uh, Shannon, I want you to talk about the Blazers because exactly one year ago, you were so high, and rightly so, we all were, on, on Myers Leonard. Now, he should be healthy. He's dealing with a little bit of an injury, but from all the gifts that the Trailblazers are putting out there, he looks healthy to me. He's got a great smile. All the ladies love him. Do you still love him <laughs> this year as much as you did exactly 365 days ago? Absolutely not. Okay. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, I, I will say, though, like Myers-Leonard, it was a weird situation. You could see it in game one. The, you know, he was starting. They gave him a ton of shots, and it was actually this way in like the first two or three games. Um, but he had a ton of opportunities, and he was ice cold from downtown. Like I think he went like one for eleven on his first, you know, first uh, eleven three point attempts, and then he got injured, and the season was just over for him at that point. There's nothing he could do. Um, I don't. Elfreek Aminu did really good last year. Ed Davis is productive in stretches. Those are two guys who are above him uh, on the depth chart right now. Um, I'm not in love with either of those two options. So I do think Leonard can play his way into a significant role, but am I looking at him as like my favorite sleeper of the upcoming season? No, hell no. He's, I might, I might throw one dollar at him in the staff keeper league. What'd you pay for him last year? It was like it was like fifteen. Yeah, yeah, we got into a bidding war, and you. It was at the end of the draft. I was surprised he lasted that long, and you outbid me because I didn't have any money left. You were saving up for him, really? Yes, yes, I was. I mean, the one thing he has for him is he only has to leapfrog Aminu and Ed Davis, and that is doable. It's just he has a lot to prove. Yeah, I would agree. Ken, any more thoughts, or would you like to move on to the Jazz? Let's move on. All right, let's let's talk about George Hill and Dante Exum. Exum coming off, obviously, season-ending injury, which I guess it was more than a year ago, I believe, he would have suffered that injury now. Shelvin Mack proved to be somewhat reliable in replacement. Howell Neto, he's going to drop to the bottom of the depth chart just because you know he was just a replacement point guard last year. Don't look at his minutes from last year and think he's going to get anywhere close. The main concern here, there's three things to consider. George Hill and Dante Exum, those two guys. You know, Will Exum edge out Hill? How will that timeshare work? And then the third thing to consider here is Alec Burks. He's run this point guard. He's run the offense of the second team in past for the Utah Jazz. Do you think he's going to be doing that again this year? I kind of think maybe not because they were devoid of point guard. When Alex Burks was running the second team offense as right. a point that guard was, for the Jazz, was... it was with Trey Burke. And now you've got two right. legitimate guys. How do you see this time shifting out, Ken? Well, I think it's actually point guard in Utah is one of the things we've got to watch this preseason. Uh, I, you know, the... Hill clearly is going to start at the beginning of the season, and I'm curious to see what Exum does in the preseason. Curious to see what he does this fall. They sure would like Exum to pass Hill at some point. They get Hill some minutes shooting guard. I think they like Hood and Burks, but they're not in love with either. Uh, Certainly, Hill's versatile, so I think that's why they like that trade that they made with the Pacers. But to me, Exum is still at a gigantic question mark much like he was when everyone said he had to be drafted, 
I don't know. Do you guys disagree? I, I think Axum is, is basically like a stash player for them. Um, I don't think he's going to compete with George Hill for minutes this year because um, mm. this is going to be a competitive team in the West. So if, if for whatever reason they aren't competitive and they're 15 games under 500, then they might flip the switch and Axum will start getting more minutes. But they brought in Hill to be the starter. He's yeah. kind of a, he's, he's, he's a point guard, but he's actually kind of like a 3 and D guy. Um, he's going to shoot threes, play defense. Um, he will get some assists, but he's going to well, run. The, he's going to run the show. I mean, he's to your stash be, point too. Uh, Exum shot thirty five percent his rookie year two seasons ago. He has a long way to go. He's awfully raw. Yes, indeed. And then like, Alec Burks, he's going to be their sixth man. He's going to be the guy off. The, he he essentially before his injury last year um, and the year prior, he was kind of like a uh, poor man's Dwayne Wade. Like that's the type of player yes, he is. Yes, exactly. Um, and he's he's very talented guy. I, I like the way he plays the game. But he's most effective coming in off the bench, playing 20 minutes, trying to get his points, um, kind of running the show a little bit on the offensive end. So that's where I still think he's going to be in that role. I don't think he's going to necessarily challenge Rodney Hood for, for playing time. But it's interesting. We'll see. I mean, between – What did you guys think of the signing of rich man Joe Johnson? Rich man Dwayne Wade, rich Joe Johnson coming to that team. That shocked me a little. It did. And that was actually the one guy I was like, he might end up stealing some minutes from Mm -hmm. Hood. Not necessarily Mm -hmm. Alec Burks. I think Alec Burks is going to be good getting 20 to 24 minutes off the bench. But if if Rodney Hood falls back some from his production last year, maybe maybe he has a, a... a extended cold streak from downtown. Uh, Joe Johnson is a guy who could steal some minutes from him. Yeah, we'll see how that comes out. The Hood, Burks, Johnson, they all have a lot of upside. Gordon Hayward is always going to get his. Rodney Hood could be very, very good. And they the only the only issue with that is like Alec Burks has a contract in hand. We're only a couple of years removed from the Jazz having both Anis Cantor and Alec Burks. They could only give one of them a long term contract and they chose Burks. So you have to think that that organization still likes Burks enough to run him out and like you said, Shannon, be, you know, captain their second team. But, you know, we'll see how it goes out because Joe Johnson could also do that. The new iteration of Joe Johnson can run a second team offense and do pretty well at it. Yes, yeah. And so one one front court player we have to discuss is Trey Lyles. We have to mention him, right? I yeah, no James knows? is super high on him. He's on, amazing. On He's yesterday's a- pod, James said that Lyles is going to end up being a top 30 player in the NBA. I disagree. Oh. I don't I don't see that happening anytime soon. Well, it's not going to happen this year and it, and probably not next year. I actually, he had I, lots of opportunities to shine last year just minute-wise when they had some injury issues and it just didn't seem to happen. Well, they're they're basically changing the way he plays, though. They're trying to turn him into a stretch four, um, essentially, um, which is new to him. Um, you know, he, he started to develop into that in college, but he wasn't necessarily that. So yeah. he's really he's really raw. He's got some time, but I think talent wise, I agree with James. He he has that kind of upside. I got to believe it to see it. I'll be watching a lot of jazz games because they're going to be a very interesting team here. If they took a big jump forward, wouldn't be surprised because they had a lot of injuries last year. Good young coach in Quinn Snyder as well. Uh, I got to believe it to see it on Lyles. Derek Favors is obviously the favorite there, so nothing to worry about this year. Let's move on, not to the Warriors. I'm skipping over them. I'm tired of talking about them. It's the same (laughs) situation. It's always been minus Harrison Barnes. Maybe Gudaga sees some more minutes. Maybe not. I don't care. Everybody knows about the Warriors. Let's talk yeah. about the Clippers and small forward. We have to Who do it. Who the hell is going to play small forward for the Tell Clippers? Tell me, Ken. Who? Luke. Here's another name for me to butcher. Luke Mbaamute. Nailed it. 7,000-year-old Paul Pierce. Uh, first-round pick, but also like 29 Wesley Johnson. 
I mean, I guess Umba Amute, by default, he started 61 games last year, but that just screams to me, Doc Rivers making another win-now trade to get a small forward, maybe even getting Jeff Green again. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, for fantasy purposes, none of these small forwards matter. Um, even in deep leagues, they're not going to be of consideration. I'm with you. I actually think a trade will happen before February, but I think they make a trade. Like Rudy yeah. Gay? They don't have anything to give up, ooh, but maybe ooh, they still have yeah. like a 2018 pick or 19 pick that they can give up in a trade. Um, I do think they make a they make a move and try to get someone like Rudy Gay. Not much changing there, so we'll keep it moving to the Los Angeles Lakers. Now the team dynamic has changed. Not only coach, so you so you leave off Byron Scott, you move in. Um, Gosh, Walton, Luke Walton. Luke Walton. Yeah, yep. Luke Walton. Uh, Lou Aldane comes in, gets the money grab. No re- no, nothing wrong with that. He chooses money over yeah. finding a contender. Timofey Mozgov chooses money as well, although the Lakers probably. I'm not sure he chose. Him. Wasn't that his only. <laughs> like, it, it, what's funny is one, it was probably an overpaid option. Oh, yeah. I'll take that one, I guess. Yeah, his only <laughs> option was an overpay option, essentially. <laughs> but a lot to like in terms of young guys. I know Nick Whale and James Anderson are all over the Lakers, and they're watching. Watchability rankings, they're both very high. Top three, I think, top three or four for the Lakers. D'Angelo Russell is going to get more minutes than Jose Calderon. Jordan Clarkson, Lou Williams. But the the big thing here is Brandon Ingram, Luol Dang. How does that shake out? Because you've got the the rookie incumbent going yeah. up against a veteran proven guy. We can't assume that this team is going to be tried to winning games. So why wouldn't they just go with Ingram, Shannon? It confuses me that they won't. I mean, here's, but, here's why. Here's why. He weighs 195 pounds. That's and, hey, you know, he, I, he looks like a running toothpick. Out Kevin there. Durant still looks very similar to how he did. You know, I mean, he's a little bulkier, but I, I, for basketball, it might not matter, Ken. It might I not feel, matter anymore. I, I feel like they know he needs that the talent's there, but they know he needs to mature. He needs to grow into that body. He needs to bulk up. And I think they're going to ease him into it, and that's why they went and got Dang. And if they have to, Dang can get some minutes at the two. But to me, it screams, let someone else reach early on Ingram for this year. Fantasy-wise, he's going. I think he's going to be a disappointment early in the season. Um, I do believe Luau Dang will get the, start, get the starting role, Ingram will come off the bench. But there's going to be a point, and I don't think it'll be too far in the season, maybe a quarter of the way in, where they're like, okay, we're not good, we're not competitive, um, we need to start running Ingram out. I also believe his talent will show through, and he'll, he'll basically force them to play him starter minutes. Um, in that scenario, you might see Luau Deng uh, slide over to the four. He did that with a lot of success yeah. with Miami last year after Chris Bosh went out. So you could see Deng play a lot of four. Back up Randall and give up on Larry Nance. Larry Nance is not in the equation. Uh, what about Yi? Yi. We got. We yeah. finally have a name that can can pronounce. <laughs> 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 I, I I like Julius Randle so much, and I'm in this big argument with James and Nick right now. You know, can you start him at center? They say no. I say, well, you know what? You got Luke Walton. Maybe they'll try to go miniature yeah. Warriors small, mm-hmm. but defense would be so bad with Randle at the five. I admittedly agree. I will say this: you don't have to be as good as the original version. You can be a knockoff of it and still successful. The you know the the metaphor I used before, not even a metaphor. For the philosophy I used before, you don't have to be better than the best team in the league, but if you're better than the other 28 teams in the league, then you're still really, really good. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I actually, I, I'm big, I'm high on Julius Randle as well. Um, I mean, most people don't realize last year was basically his rookie season. Ken, you mentioned that in the article. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that, that was the case. It was basically his rookie season and he, he was a double, double machine only playing 28 minutes. Yeah. A game. Let's not forget Byron Scott, man, horrible coach. So bad. So yeah, terrible. Bad. So terrible. I, I think I Roy think, Hibbert, two words, Roy Hibbert. Really? And even a guy like Larry Nance, I don't think Larry Nance. There are some some scouts and and NBA pundits who like Larry Nance Jr. I personally, I'm not a big fan. I don't think he's that good. What I saw last year wasn't intriguing to me. I think yeah. he only broke into the rotation. I mean, one Julius Randle got hurt, and and Larry Nance got a few few starts as a result. But if they had any other coach. I don't think Nance would have ever even got many minutes. He was a pawn. Well, to the coach yeah. to the coaching point. Well, he was a pawn, you're right. But to the coaching point too, uh, Luke Walton to me seems like a guy that would play Randall at the, at the five. I you know, and, and just run and gun. I, I, I think they've given Walton a long leash, and he's going to have a lot of fun. And if it's entertaining, that holds a lot more value in L.A. than you know in towns that want to win. All right, just, so like Roadwire NBA podcast tally: it's five to two. I won this conversation. No, and just just to be <laughs> sure, like just a, this team is basically like seven players, seven or eight players deep. Right. Like yeah. there's going to be a lot of guys like Nick Young that don't matter. Um, is Lula, he going to make that roster? Cut, cut Nick Young, please. Love yeah, of love I, I feel like they need to trim a lot of the fat from the roster. I mean, honestly, we didn't even talk about guys like Jordan Clarkston. So, I mean, but eventually, you know, even though Mozgov and, and Dang are getting paid just buku bucks i think they're going to give way to the younger players as the season progresses i i can um, go ahead one i have to this one last thing about <laughs> now my my favorite sleeper this year and it's i think it's absurd Ooh. that he's even a sleeper is d'angelo russell mm-hmm. um, he is a top 40 fantasy player this season um he's ranked wow. he's ranked in like the 100 to 120 range mm-hmm. on most rankings that you look at i I love D'Angelo Russell this year. If you look at his, you look at his production without Kobe last year. It's like it's light years better than what it everybody's was with Kobe. production without yeah. Kobe was way better. <laughs> well, you know what? If you look uh, recently, uh, I wish I could give credit, but I'm just not going to be able to. There was a, a great grid that came out last year, yes or yesterday, excuse me, that compared the starters' productions to the bench productions, and the Lakers had Lakers had the most skewed better production off the bench like way 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 better compared to the rest of the league or compared to their first team than anybody else in the league um that's because of byron scott it's a byron scott factor so i like russell too james anderson recently said that he uh russell will be the comeback player or the like resurgent player whatever that is i don't know (laughs) which is hilarious well and you got i I like to point out 1.6 threes made a game for russell so that's that's a nice indicator, a high upside, still shooting over, you know, shot 41%, which you'll take for all those threes. It's pretty amazing that this elite talent, you know, he's just one year into his career, and he's this incredibly elite talent, drafted, what, second overall um, in the NBA draft. He averaged like 13 and 5 as a rookie, which is pretty good, and he was stunted because of a bad coach, because of a bad situation with Kobe Bryant's retirement tour. And people aren't high on him. Like well, most projections, well, he was thirteen three and three. To correct you, just a little okay, there. Okay. You're, but you know, I like you going higher pedigree versus last year on your top sleeper pick. Good Definitely. move. <laughs> most, most improved candidate. There you go, right there. We got two teams. Let's finish strong, guys. Phoenix Suns is the second of the last two teams we have to cover here. Eric Bledsoe looks to be back and healthy. Brandon Knight, the big. 
I mean, you don't necessarily mention it in your article, Ken, but the one thing that I'm concerned about is uh, essentially it would be Booker, TJ Warren, uh, PJ Tucker, Brandon Knight. I don't know how that's going to shake out. Uh, obviously, when you had a lot of those guys hurt last year, it was a lot easier to let Booker run wild and play as many minutes as he wants. But I think he might actually have a regression just because you're going to be playing Eric Bledsoe, Brandon Knight, PJ Tucker, and TJ Warren maybe you know in front in front of Devin Booker. Is that fair? Is that right? What do you think, Ken? Well, I think clearly he's going to get less shots. Uh, you know, he was he he nicely took advantage of an opportunity, but uh, if healthy, there won't just can't possibly be that many shots. I I don't understand where this team's going. Are they trying to win now or build for the future? I'm sure they regret the Tyson Chandler uh, signing, but I wish I'm sure they also wish Alex Lynn could shoot better. I'm just so confused over what 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 this team has in mind. I don't I don't know what they're doing. It is it is difficult to figure figure this the Suns out. Um, I I will say immediately I'm not touching their rookies um, in fantasy this year. Yeah, I don't think Bender or Chris are going to see much action. Um, injury would have to spur that. Booker is the future of this team. He is the he's the franchise savior. No matter what, he is starting this year. Um, Ooh, you got no him over Brandon. No matter what, he's playing 32 to 34 minutes a wow. game. Um, whether that means if that means Brandon Knight. Um, comes off the bench or gets traded or Bledsoe gets traded. Bledsoe is probably more likely to get traded because people would actually want him. Um, Booker's definitely starting. Even if it's starting at small forward, he's six, six, he's got some decent size. He's actually a pretty big shooting guard. So they could slide him over small forward, but he's he's starting. The trouble is the defense It's like, sure. He's an amazing, you know, he can play offensively as a small forward, but on defense, can he guard your Kevin Durant's? Can he guard even like somebody like Rudy Gay? I don't know that he can. I mean, he's going to have to learn how to if yes. he wants to play in the starting five. That's for sure. The last since uh, starting in January, his minutes were 35 minutes a game, averaging 18 points under or over that, Shannon. Under, but just a hair. Um, and that's still a lot of value. Yes. Over the over the course of the season, we're going to see improvements from what he did in totality last year. Well, certainly the P.J. Tucker injury is up for uh, lower back problems or saying mid-November. That does open the door. Guys, yeah, and guys, that's another thing is like a guy like PJ Tucker. I don't even think he's going to factor into the rotation much this year for the Suns. I know he's had a big role the last few years, but I just don't think he'll be there this year. They have too much other stuff going on. You've got the veteran guys this year that they'll lean on are Dudley and Chandler. Um, well, and again, Tucker's thirty-one. What is this team trying to do? Win now or play for the future? Playing a mediocre thirty-one-year-old in Tucker who got major minutes. 82 games, 31 minutes. I just don't understand that. I don't understand that. It's fr- I've, 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 I've confused everyone. It's, well, it's, it's frustrating <laughs> from a fantasy perspective, but, I mean, he is somewhat of a rock. Ideally, you know, he can be somebody like a um, Damari Carroll or something like that. I think that's what they're trying to mold him after, you know, the Atlanta version of Damari Carroll, not the Toronto version. And I think that works. I think it has its place. But, you know, when you look at the guys around him, well, you've got to start you've got Warren, a higher you've got to start Booker power, instead. If you've, got a, if, you've got a better, if you have a legitimate power forward, maybe, but I don't know. I, All right. The hell is this team doing? Let's finish up with the Sacramento Kings, last and definitely least. Um, pray for strength. Pray yeah, for pray strength. for strength. <laughs> emoji hands, emoji prayer hands. Demarcus Cousins. 
great Twitter follow. When when, when times get tough, oh, Demarcus yeah. gets tweeting, and we all <laughs> like that. Uh, Ken, why don't you break it down here in terms of what you're looking for in terms of position battles? Well, I think they just need to keep drafting more centers. <laughs> no, that's sarcasm. Emoji prayer hands. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The shooting guard. How I feel like I write every year about how bad the shooting guard situation is in Sacramento. And do you guys think uh, Aaron Aflalo is the is the fix? Yeah, they definitely signed him to be the fix. Um, I mean, will he be? He's not going to be a long term oh, solution. They've obviously. signed and drafted many guys to be this fix, and they've all been terrible. You, th- but you think Aflalo uh, at thirty years old becomes the the te- the guy that nudges them into the eighth spot? No, no. I mean, he's not the fix in, in so much as he's going to push them into the playoffs. But he's the fix in that he will start every game as shooting guard for yeah. them, that he's healthy. Yeah. By default, right? I mean, they're just, McLemore is terrible. Uh, Malachi Richardson's 20, so he's not going to, he can't sniff, sniff uh, real playing time anytime soon. He, he kind of gets it by default, and frankly, he then becomes a fantasy gem just because of opportunity and just sheer lack of competition, right? Yeah, I mean, Aflalo's basically going to hold the same value he had with the Knicks last year um, is what I would project him for pretty much the same thing. Um, I wouldn't expect more or less from him. I think that the Kings need to get on the phone with the Nuggets and trade Gay for Barton or something like that. You know, if yeah. the, Nugget, if the yeah. Nuggets turn out to be a decent team and maybe they're fighting for a playoff spot, let's not forget that Rudy Gay has a player option on next year. So if he likes well, it in the, Denver... if the Rooster if, gets hurt, that makes a lot more sense if Gallinari gets hurt yet again, which could happen. Well, they should deal him in a separate deal too, like a, like <laughs> Chicago or the Knicks or somebody like that, where that makes sense, like a legitimate contender who could use his services and are willing to take him on a one year or something like that. Anyways, it's time for Sacramento to find a legitimate shooting guard. Uh, Aflalo will be a patch fix, but he's not going to be a long term fix, like you said, Shannon. There, there are a couple of battles to actually look at with this team, though. Um, one, first, before we get to that, I want to point out the rookies, another team. I would just ignore the rookies. I don't expect them to have big roles for this team. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. DeMarcus is going to be the four, and then you've got Cully Stein and Kufos who are going to play the five. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully they give Cully Stein more run. Um, but I, I would personally project Cully Stein higher than the two rookies they have coming in in the front court, um, yep. both of whom I'm not going to try saying their names. Um, <laughs> now, point guard is actually the interesting position to look at here. Um, everyone's kind of just no. assuming – Everyone's assuming it's Darren Collison, but uh, I mean, they also forget Darren, Ca- Darren Collison might be suspended for like half the season. Uh, Darren Collison could it get that bad? I know. I mean, obviously he's got the domestic uh, violence. It might only issue. be it might only be like twenty games, but we'll see. It might be Ooh. nothing. We don't know yet. I didn't know it could get that high. That's I, I believe it could be. I mean, if you look at if you look at the way things have gone for like the for baseball and players getting slapped with fifty game suspensions for similar things. We'll see. I'm not sure what it'll be. Do we have be. any idea when that comes out? When are they deciding on that? NBA is very laxed on this kind of stuff. They almost have a policy where let's let's wait so long to decide on it that when no we do and make an announcement, you know, like it's already gone and forgotten. The guy right beneath him, who you're about to talk about, Shannon, Ty Lawson, he had a couple DUIs, and they didn't even act on that really until the courts acted on it. Ended up being six months down the road, and you're like, what? oh, yeah, he got DUI like right, six right. months ago. <laughs> and so that'll probably be the case with Collison, where he might just get three games, but like six months from now. So just to inform the listeners, there was a domestic violence case with that Collison was involved in. They they reached a plea deal in early September. Um, if the NBA is still going to opt to um, any discipline measures, 
is to be determined. So we'll see. Um, and for the for the record, Rhoda Wire is against domestic violence. And I also think the NBA is kind of <laughs> waiting to see how the Derrick Rose situation goes. Um, ooh, ooh, because ooh, saucy. If, if they slap Darren Collison with something like some very lengthy suspension, and then Derrick Rose reaches a plea deal for um, and a much worse cr- crime, first. even yeah. if it, you know, even if no one's ever charged, um, what are they going to slap him with? So they might they might be waiting for some more details on that front. Regardless, Derek Collison is a mediocre point guard. So they brought in someone who everyone's just written off in Ty Lawson. It was only, you know, last season, Ty Lawson was horrible with the Rockets. Horrible with two teams. With the Rockets and the Pacers. But in 2014, 2015, he averaged 15, nine and a half. You're saying he's your Rajon Rondo, terrible team player, but stat whore. He was an all-star just like a year and a half ago. This guy is not – we shouldn't well, run they, him off. He's 28. He's not I can't not believe 35. I'm defending you in this, but they did play some two-point guard last year, having collision technically play shooting guard, and old man Aflalo presumably would enjoy a rest. Ty Lawson will be the starting point guard for this team. Woo-wee. All right, wait a minute, wait a minute. So that's our second wager, whether Darren Collision – or Ty Lawson has better fantasy value in the upcoming season. What are we wagering? We already have the Pistons, Bullets, Hoodie. What's our wager here? You guys Shannon? need some shorts, it sounds like. Shorts. Shorts, there done. Matching shorts, okay. I want Celt- I need write, Celtic shorts. Write Celtic. those down, Ken. Send me an email. Wait, you guys weren't clear on the second bet. What, what's actually being bet here? Who- Collision or Lawson finishing the year? Finishing the higher. year as a starter? No, no, no. no. Better the full body value. of their season... Their full season work. When the season's over, who will have been more useful fantasy-wise, Darren Collision or Ty Lawson? All right. If it's somewhat up in the air, I will happily break the the tie to whoever wants to pay me more money or give me more poutine. All right, guys. It is good to be back. It's good to have the three amigos back. Next week on Friday, we'll be releasing – we're going to dust off the old Keeper Leagues. Uh, we have some ah, keepers. Baby. We have to decide who we're going to keep, who we're not going to keep. We're going to go over those. We're maybe going to you know, have some. You know what, DJ, I didn't hear you because I was making love to my fabulous trophy here. Could you repeat that, please? <laughs> I think we lost Ken, Shannon. Yeah. <laughs> I think we lost Ken. Uh, yes, Ken did win the, the league last year, and you're welcome for that. I took a lot of heat because of the trade. DJ, this just means it's your turn. It, means, I, do, baby. it was my turn. Now it's Ken's. Then it's yeah, you. You're All next. Right. You're I like us. You got to complete. Ego domination. Well, I tell you what, I, I, I've been looking over which guys I need to keep, which ones I, I maybe shouldn't keep, and I, I've got some questions for you guys. I might need some help, and maybe I shouldn't be asking you, but <laughs> regardless, we're going to go over those next Friday. It's good to be back. Ken, please tell me you have a end-of-pod quote for us. Absolutely. We're talking West Conference today, so I went to Western Conference Utah Jazz General Manager and President, I think maybe in coach at one time, Frank Layden. Had a fabulous quote. He said, uh, talking about a disappointing player on the Jazz, he said, I told him, son, what is it with you? Is it ignorance or apathy? He said, coach, I don't know, and I don't care. (laughs) Adios, amigos! 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.